Inside Books with Breda Brown. Welcome to Inside Books, a programme about the magical world of writing. I'm Breda Brown and in each episode of Inside Books we chat to people associated with the world of books, including well-known authors, publishers, editors, agents, critics, booksellers and more. You'll find Inside Books on SoundCloud or iTunes and our Twitter handle is at InsideBooksIRE where you'll also find lots of other interesting books news. My guest today is Cormac O'Keefe, who has just had his first book published. It's called Blackwater and is a crime novel that focuses on Dublin's gangland activity along the Grand Canal. As well as writing books, Cormac has a day job. He's the security correspondent with the Irish Examiner newspaper, which offers a significant insight into the worlds of crime, drugs, policing, the justice system and human rights, all of which no doubt influence the plot of Blackwater. Cormac, I suppose firstly, let's start with the journalism, Mm. because that's where you sort of started out with writing. Where did that interest begin? Well, uh, back in DCU, I did my master's. I did my master's on ecstasy. And that was, yeah, that was the mid 90s. So mid 90s was a busy time. And uh, in the course of that, I made contact with people in different areas in the north inner city, with medical professionals, uh, with the guards. So kind of gradually, slowly went from there in terms of meeting people and kind of getting a, a greater feel of issues to do with drugs and communities in particular. So it was sort of nat- a natural route then into crime journalism. Yeah, I mean, initially the drugs area was the first kind of niche area I wrote about um, from college days. And naturally there's a crossover between the areas of drugs and the drugs trade and crime and policing. So within a few years, maybe five years or so, I started writing about the wider area of drugs and crime. It's a tough beat. Yeah, it it, it is. It is a tough beat, um, particularly probably in the early years when you're trying to get some kind of handle on it because there's so many different aspects to your job. One is going out maybe to communities where there has been a, a gangland murder and uh, interviewing people or trying to interview people as as it usually is because people don't often want to talk. Um, and then you're trying to get information from the guards, which, as we all know, is not the easiest thing to get at times because they're slow to release information. So it was um, initially it was it was difficult. It never really gets that easy. I mean, it's always a difficult job. And you are witnessing things that others in their ordinary lives don't get to see on a daily basis. No, you don't. I mean, if you if you call out to a shooting that happened in the middle of the day and there was children around and somebody, some innocent person got injured or even killed. I mean, trying to to be thrown into that situation, you know, can be you can be running around like a headless chicken trying to just get a handle as to what has actually happened here and trying to present that picture. And do you try and compartmentalise then to make it easier to deal with your day job? Um, well, I suppose you you are a professional, so there is a professional aspect to it. This is your job to go out and get the information and try and present that information to the reader. So, you know, novel writing is, is different. It's far more, I suppose, deeper. It's more personal. But the journalism, it's, it's a professional uh, job you have to do. But having said that, I had a very and still do have a very deep interest in the area of drugs and communities. And I had that from the beginning. And obviously your role as a crime journalist has hugely influenced your choice of topic for Blackwater. So it is very crime focused. Yeah, I mean, 
all our stuff, I suppose, seeps into you over the years. You know, it goes into it goes into your body and it goes into your mind, and all the different characters you would have met, the places you would have gone to, the very, I suppose, interesting individuals, whether it's in the guards or in community groups you would have met, um, different issues that you have to kind of get a handle on, whether it's intimidation of people, difficult issues that are not easy to get information on. So all those things kind of stew away inside you and that's probably what has been happening. And when did you decide then you felt you needed to get that out in a a fiction context? I'd say, roughly speaking, probably around 10 years ago. um, There's no particular time. I started taking, I suppose, regular notes back in 2010. And that was to capture just things you see. Mm. You know, when you live in certain parts of Dublin or indeed anywhere, any city across the country or any town, you constantly see things. Or if you just use public transport or if you do anything, if you just walk keep around. Keep your eyes open. You just keep your eyes open. And the amount of things you see that are fascinating or just grab you, you know. And did moment. you find many of those day to day scenarios actually ended up in the book? Yes. I mean, I have. Um, I have a folder that just contains what notes and that is stories. That is a lengthy, lengthy document. I can't even remember how many pages are. I've often printed it out and try and mark out what type of incident it was. Was it to do with the canal? Was it to do with young children? Is it to do with detective? And try and organise those notes and maybe some of them do you do stitch into your into your novel and a lot of them do have have featured in the novel. And are you happy, I suppose, that the end story really does portray the gritty reality of what goes on on a day to day basis? It's it's one it's one story. I mean, I don't think any story can be the complete picture. So it's one story. It's it's my story. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be 100 percent objectively true, but I found that with fiction you were a. I found you were able to present a version of reality that I couldn't do in journalism. It's a much deeper picture. I think in fiction you can present, you know, the tastes, the sounds, the colours, the personalities, the setting, things you can't really do in journalism. So from that point of view, yeah, I, I was, I am very happy with it. And was that transition from journalism where it's very much fact-based writing to creating an imaginary world as such that you had to get down on paper, but you had more room to do that. Was that harder? Yes. It's, if The more I would think about it, I would say definitely yes, because journalism is, is very structured. You know, it's a structured form of... And it's a day-to-day beat that you work on. Yeah, and you have a number of stories you might have to do in a given day. So you're heavily constrained by time. It is a structured form of information. You know, your writing tends to be short sentences. You don't have maybe many long sentences in it. Um, Whereas with fiction, I almost had to unlearn... What you already knew. What I already knew. I mean, I went to a writing course in the Irish Writer Centre... Um, some years ago and the tutor there automatically guessed I was a journalist. He, he asked me, are you a journalist? And I said, yes. And I said, how do you know? He said, your sentences draw bullets. They're like bullets, you know. And he said, that's fine. Short and impactful. Yeah, but you have to unravel a bit because obviously fiction can't be like that. You have to vary the speed of your, of your writing. And did you struggle with that or did you find it easy? Um... 
Probably neither. I mean, it was it was a journey, definitely, in that trying to figure out how to write. Um, it did take time. It took multiple redrafting. I mean, redrafting after redrafting after redrafting. Because you said that the, the initial, I suppose, writing of this started 10 years ago mm. and the book is on the shelf now at mm. the moment. So I suppose going back to that, that start, did you work your way through those 10 years just on your own at night in the evening? Is that what you were doing, trying to figure it out yourself or, or how did you approach yeah. it? I often envy when you, you know, you probably have interviewed writers and say, I get up in the morning and I do four hours or I do five hours and then I go out for a walk and then I might come back again. Like to me, it was just trying to grab time whenever I had. I mean, I... Because I, you have a full-time I job. Have, I have two kids who are now 10. So they were all toddlers. They're both, they're twins. They were toddlers as I was beginning, beginning this. And obviously it was a busy house and... You know, with toddlers, twins, toddlers, you know, you can't get any quietness at home. Oh, that's it. So you, you, I, I went into work early. I mean, I would have got up early. I would have been in work maybe in the office by seven o'clock in the morning, trying to do two, two and a half hours of work. Would have done that maybe three days a week for a long period. And then several times a year, maybe four or five times a year, I would have taken two or three or four days off. And I would, would have gone down to my mother's house in Waterford and I would have done a lot of work. I mean, churning out a huge amount of work. And that's what I had to do. That was the only way I could do it. And at one point you had 150,000 words mm. at one stage and you said you had to redraft and redraft and redraft. Mm. So it was like you were learning as you were going. Yeah, absolutely. This was not a well-structured plan <laughs> of any And are you sorry way. maybe you didn't get more advice at the start in terms of how to approach it or how to do it? Um, it might have been helpful in terms of the plot, in terms of plotting, because initially I only started with the setting and a couple of characters. And I know one author just said to me, just jump in. Just I go mean, for it. Particularly in your first draft, just jump in and start writing. Don't worry about your plots, your structure, your pacing. So you just were sort of making it up as you went along. Absolutely. Then. I mean, I, I had no idea where this was going. Um, I the hundred fifty thousand words you mentioned that was that was a loose um, mountain of words. I mean, it wasn't well structured, and I had to go back and figure out what is the story here. That I, I mean, I had a vague idea what story I was trying to tell. It was about a boy in a gangland setting, but I had no particular plot, and I had to go back and carve that out. Um, and was it hard getting rid of words that you would have worked really hard on previously? Well, yeah, as the process, I suppose, went on and went from 150 to 120,000 at one stage. And it, it hovered around that for a long time. And then I gave it to certain people to read. And um, I did like a major, major structural edit, which involved getting rid of characters. So and was that disheartening? It was hard to get rid of characters. Really, well, I mean, I have a huge amount of characters in this novel, as is. Even the finished product has a lot of characters in it. But I had to get rid of other characters. I had to sharpen the plot. I had to get rid of chapters involving people that I didn't really want to get rid of. I had scenes that I wanted to keep that I had to get rid of. Because I suppose the further along the process you get and the closer you approach a proper finished novel, does have to be almost like razor sharp in terms of its momentum, that it is building to a climax. So anything that is not 
pertinent to the plots, you have to jettison. It's being ruthless and keeping yeah. the reader in mind all the time. It is. It is. You, you do have to be ruthless. I mean, a lot of it, uh, some of it at least, I didn't want to get rid of. I said, oh, no, but this, these scenes are really good. They're really, you know, they're pulling on emotional heartstrings. Yeah, but is it moving the story along? Are you leading the reader off on some tangent with a nice, interesting so side, side story? At what stage then did you decide it was time to, OK, I need to send this out into the world? I think you went through different stages of that. (laughs) Yeah, because, you know, you could and maybe perhaps I did send it out too early uh, when I did start sending it out. Um, And was it finished at that point? It was finished in my mind, but you were never finished. I mean, I have been, I have finished this novel, I say at least 10 times. And I mean finished. Oh, it's done. But it isn't done because... Um, you might have a few ghost readers might read and they might point something out. You might go back and change something that has been spotted. But that's like putting a tread because once you remove that, it may have ripple effects throughout. So you have to go through it, make sure that's consistent, that change. Um, Yeah, I think if if I ever was to give advice to, to, to some people, it would be don't send it out too soon. You think you might be done and you might have given breeding time. You might have gone back to it and reviewed it and reviewed it. But you you can't review it too much. But it did get to the stage where I couldn't I couldn't read it. I couldn't see what I was looking at because I just too close. I was just way too close at that stage. But I did send it out. Um, I think it was as far back as October 15. Right. When I started sending it out. That's nearly two and a half years ago. That's a long time ago. So, I mean, it got to it wasn't until two years almost later that I signed a publishing deal. So how did that come about? The publishing deal? Yeah. Well, okay. um, I eventually got an agent, which was, I suppose, the first step. And then we started sending it out to publishers. Um, and when the agent took it on board, was there more work to be done on it before it went to publishers? Not a huge amount, not a huge amount at that stage. It was pretty much done. I think we just had to fine tune it again before we sent it out. Um, it wasn't until, I think it wasn't until early 2017 before, before. I got an agent. And again, was mm. that because you sent it to them or did they come looking for you through word of mouth? No, I started sending it out to agents and I was told how difficult it was. And it was kind of funny that I sent it off to agents in London, a number of big agencies in London. And very quickly, I got a very positive response and he wanted the whole thing and it was all very, it was amazing, you know, just I and I was thinking, oh, it's not going to happen to me. Yeah, you know, yeah. first time. And first, then it did. <laughs> I think it was the second person I sent it out to, big agency, came back, looked for the whole thing, a couple of more emails and then I heard nothing. Right. Ever again. And that then repeated itself with other a- agents. So that. So be wary. That can, yes, that continued for a while. Then I eventually secured an agent in Ireland in, I think, about January, February 17. And then we started sending it out soon enough afterwards. And then it wasn't until about August 17, I think, September, August 17, before Black and White um, made an offer and we, we signed a deal with them. And I was just reading that the managing director of Black and White Publishing said they were bowled over mm. by it. So, I mean, fantastic praise. Oh, yeah, well, that, that's what you want to hear. That's Absolutely. great. Absolutely. Yeah. And how did that feel after toiling over this document oh, for so incredible. long? It was, it was incredible. Uh, I, I remember getting the email 
uh, from Ger Nicol, the agent. Where and were you? I think I was at home, I think. <laughs> I was going to say, were you home. in the office and jumped yeah, up? N- you know? Yeah, I can't. I think I was at home and I just saw, you know, the subject line offer, mm-hmm. you know, and it was extraordinary. It's, it was one of a number of subsequent extraordinary moments. But yeah, it was it was it was a great feeling. And you're you had a lot of contacts and still do, obviously, in the Garthi and in community groups and in other areas. Did you give it to any of them to read uh, for to fact check, I suppose, before you you sent it out? Yes, um, I there was a small handful of guards who helped me significantly with the novel because one of my one of the things I wanted to ensure was that this was authentic. Mm-hmm. Now it's fiction; you have to take, but it still needs to bear resemblance to, to reality. Real. So a number of them did uh, give me they gave me a huge amount of time. One of them read the whole novel, and I think at that stage it was the hundred twenty thousand word right. length. They survived. So, yeah, <laughs> he, he read the whole thing, and uh, anything that was obvious. I mean, because even if you are a security or a crime journalist. And you cover the area on a daily basis. There's a lot of nuts and bolts stuff that you would never know or mm-hmm. terminology that you would never know or how do people get on the station, this kind of thing. So I had to do a good bit of work in that regard. And I also had to, at one stage, I because one of my three main characters is, is a female detective. And most of the guards who were helping, well, all the guards that were actually helping me in detail were men. So I said, I'm going to have to find a female detective. So I had to start that procedure and I was lucky enough to do so. And again, a lot of that was kind of nuts and bolts stuff that I would never know. And uh, so she was she was of great help. And as you said, it lends an awful lot more authenticity to, to the voice. And has anyone on the ground in the underworld, I know you deal with gangs and feuds and mm. all of that, anybody, any of your contacts there, Reddit, I wonder? Got that? I don't know. Not, <laughs> not, that, not that they have, have told me. Um, that would be interesting. It would be. I it haven't would actually be. thought about that too much. Just yeah. to, to see what their feedback is <laughs> and they may be able to tell you how authentic it is yeah. from that perspective. So any sign of it making its way now into other markets? Um, from what I've been told about the market is that you, the book has to do well here first before you get, say, um, interest in other countries. That seems to be how it works. I'm not an expert at all in this area. So if it does well domestically, it gives um, the publishers and their agents a better chance to do well in the London Book Fair, the Frankfurt Book Fair or wherever. So hopefully. Fingers crossed. Exactly. So is number two underway? Number two is underway in my head and has been for some time. Right. I know a lot of people ask me that question. Um, well, they're hoping it's not going to take 10 years now. Well, Cormac. I'm hoping it's not going to take that. My wife is certainly hoping it's not going to take 10 years. <laughs> so what's it about? Well, this this novel is a, the first of a series, at least that's what is in my mind. Um, so if there was a second one in my mind, it's set maybe a couple of years on and Jig and Tara, Jig the boy, Tara the, the female uh, detective, will be definitely in it. Shay, who's the, the other main character, uh, he will probably be in it as well. Um, so I have loads of ideas in my mind as to where those people are, are at in a couple of years. We just need to nail them down. Just I, I need to nail it down, yeah. And... Given what we've chatted about today and you said there was an awful lot of learnings along the way, what are the key things you're going to take from the first novel you wrote that you will now definitely put into action for the second one? I would definitely plan. 
because right. I didn't plan in the first. But maybe just and would that have saved a lot of time? Do you think? I don't know. I mean, because I suppose with a debut novel and you're learning the craft, I suppose you just have to do it. I mean, you can, all the plans and structures in the world are not going to help you in writing a novel. Um, and it, it 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 grows. It's an organic thing, I think, from my, my limited knowledge so far, is that it grows its own legs, it evolves, it goes off in tangents. The characters, they develop their own depth as you write. Not when you plan it and you plan, OK, in chapter 10, he's going to be at this stage and chapter 20 is going to be at, at the next stage and the plot's going to, this is going to be the plot. But having said all that, I would plan it. I would have some idea where I'm going with this. Maybe what's the, what do I think is going to be the ending of it? And at least that would give you something to focus on, even if you are going off in tangents, that you have some idea that by the end, this is the general idea I want to arrive at. Just a, a little bit of direction. And again, the other aspect of having a debut novel on the shelves are book reviews. Mm. So how have you coped with those? Yeah, not probably as well as I would have thought, even though all the book reviews and the online reviews have been very good. I, there hasn't been a bad review, not that I've seen. Uh, <laughs> They're shielding touch you wood, from us. <laughs> touch wood, yeah. No, I, so far, I glance at it quickly. Right. And get some kind of idea. Is it good? Is it not good? And, uh, you know. Go down uh, to the last line. Yeah. Now, one thing, I mean, I have been sort of touching base with authors who have helped me through the process. And I might contact them and go, oh, my God, this plot detail is in the novel and it shouldn't be, you know, because it's a revelation. And, you know, authors explain, listen, just relax. You're too close to it. Yeah, you don't know, worry. What, what, a, what a, a potential buyer wants to see in a review, is it a good review or is it not? Not necessarily the minutiae of the detail in the review. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. It's where, you know, one thing I have noticed is that I might automatically look to see if there's any negative points Feedback. in it. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's just me. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's weird, you know, it's weird. I'm only slowly getting used to it. And you have had quite a bit of other author support. You've, you've sort of gotten mm. to know an awful lot of authors. Yeah. And particularly, I mean, crime is having a, a day at the moment mm. in Ireland, you know, and your book is on the shelves uh, with some, alongside some other great Irish crime authors. So w- how has their support been? Has that really helped you? It has. I mean, because it's a lonely journey. You are on your own. And Fairly quickly in, in my process, I got involved with uh, an org- a group called the Irish Crime Fiction Group. And a lot of famous authors are in there. You have Andrea Carter, you have Louise Phillips, Lawrence O'Brien, Patricia Gibney, who was on your show. They were all in on uh, in this group uh, and others uh, whose names I can't remember. But that was very supportive. And they are very supportive because they know how difficult it is. They know how long and painful a journey it is. And even if you do get an agent and even if you do get a publisher, that is still only the beginning. There's a lot more yet that you have to go through. So they have been very supportive. And I think the area is going through a real kind of purple patch. At the it moment. is, absolutely. And we've had a number of them on the show recently and we've we've more to come now over, over the next while. What's been interesting, though, a lot of female crime writers uh, mm. in Ireland over the past couple of years. Um, not as many men. So you're obviously adre- addressing yeah. the uh, the gender balance. But obviously we've the, the John Connollys and mm. uh, the Declan Burks and the Declan Hughes and, and, and Brian McGilloways and a number of others. Yeah. But it has been a little while since we've had a, a debut male crime yeah, author. This is the beginning of the fight back. Ah, that's <laughs> it. That's it. 
Well, we are very much, uh, as I said, wish you the very best of luck with, with Blackwater and we're looking forward to seeing the second one on the shelves. Cormac O'Keefe, thank you for joining us here on Inside Books. Thank you. And you'll find Blackwater in all bookshops now. The next episode of Inside Books will be out soon. Just keep an eye on our Twitter feed for details. The handle is at Inside Books IRE. And if you want to hear other episodes, just search for us on SoundCloud or iTunes. I'm Breda Brown. Until next time, keep reading. Inside Books is a unique media production 